Hey there, it's Ariel Hawani, one-third of the fastest-growing show in combat sports. I'm Chuck Mendenhall. And I'm P.T. Carroll, and together we are 3 Puck. Join us on the Spotify Live app after every UFC pay-per-view and become a part of the best community in mixed martial arts. Or, if you can't make it, check out the Ringer MMA Show podcast exclusively on Spotify. See you then. Love yous. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. There's no better feeling than a personal win, and the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash RingerNFL. Just go to Indeed.com slash RingerNFL right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. NFL preview show. My name is Danny Heifetz. I am joined by Ben Solak and Stephen Ruiz. We are coming to you every Friday to preview the weekend's NFL games. And usually we start the show every week with the game plan where Stephen and Solak game plan for the biggest game of the week. And then this week we looked and we're like, man, all these games suck. They're awful. There is no great game this week. Solak unironically suggested Jets versus Broncos. Because it's interesting. No. No, it's not. You kind of agreed. I will post the Slack (laughs) images. Yeah, fine. I'm going to HR if you do that. (laughs) We we kind of agreed. It's semi-interesting. So anyway, this week is abysmal. As Bill Simmons would say, this is the Sunday to go apple picking with your family instead of actually having to watch the early games, if that's what you must do. So in lieu of it, because when Solex said Jets Broncos, I vomited in my mouth. We're just going to do a bunch of Monday morning headlines where we predict what happens to the game, what the headline is on a Monday morning. And then we're just going to go like round round. We're just going to decide where the best headline basically becomes game of the week. I don't know what we're doing here. We're just yeah, going to figure well, it, it out as we go. In the same way that there's no good game this week, and accordingly it's hard to pick a game of the week, we'll try to do it by headlines, and there will be no good headline, and it will still be <laughs> difficult to pick the game <laughs> there of we the go. week. Perfect. Okay. So Kansas City Chiefs are playing the 49ers. This is the Twitter game of the week. So during Chiefs 49ers, you can go to the Ringer NFL Twitter account and they'll be live tweeting this game. So check that out there. I suggested this one is game of the week. It's a Super Bowl rematch and you two just groaned. So, so I'm going to start with you. You think it's just obvious Chiefs win? What's the headline Monday morning after Chiefs Niners? So the reason why we groaned is because the 49ers are just so, so, so banged up right now offensively. Aside from everybody that they have on injured reserve, Trey Lance and Emmanuel Mosley and uh, Aziz Al-Shair, not participating in practice uh, this week so far, recording on Thursday. Traverius Ward, Mike McGlinchey, Talano Hufanga, Samson Ebukam, Eric Armstead, Nick Bosa, Trent Williams, Jimmy Ward, Drake Jackson were all limited. Jason Verrett might be back, which like when your good injury news is Jason Verrett returning to be healthy, you know you're in dire injury straits because Jason Verrett is never able to stay healthy. So 
I think the Chiefs are going to beat up on the Niners. I think the Niners are just too banged up to play. And accordingly, the headline is Chiefs of Medicine. Chiefs beat banged up Niners. Chiefs of Medicine? Yes, it's, because, because it's like, good. yes, good. it is good. Because like Chief of Medicine is like a role in a hospital. Oh, and, oh, okay, yeah, okay. It's a job, Chief of Medicine. So Chief of Medicine. Chief of Medicine. You didn't have to do like the the plural. I feel like that's neither here nor there. I, the readers would get it. They'd be like, oh, he just said one chief. I don't know if he's talking about the football team or okay. if he's talking about something chief else. Of, but chief of medicine implies one Kansas City chief beat them, which I guess like Patrick Mahomes probably single-handedly can. Um, but this game, like it could have been so much more of a, of a singular matchup. This mm-hmm. Niners defense is such an interesting and exciting defense because all we talk about is schematic changes. All we talk about is you run the too high and you go quarters and you do this, you do that, you blitz and can you drop eight and everything like all these these changes that we see opposing defenses do to face these star quarterbacks like Mahomes and Allen the one defense that's really achieved it on a week-to-week basis in terms of playing their stuff and their stuff working against the stars is the 49ers under D'Amico Ryans they play quarters they play four down front they dominate with that four down front and then their back seven can match everything under the sun. They hit you. They cause turnovers. They rally up and tackle. They're just a really well-coached defense with talent. Send to Stern. And there might be no Mosley and no Ward and no Hufanga and no other Ward. There's no Dre Greenlaw. There might be no Nick Bosa. There's going to be no Javon Kinlaw. There's going to be no Maurice Hurst. There might be no Samson Epicom, no Drake Jackson. You just start to list everybody. You go, That's oh, like okay, 11 list. people that you just yeah. said. <laughs> it's the whole team. Yes, a 49ers beat writer had a tweet uh, of all the injuries that the Niners were dealing with during the game. Like, it's not even comprehensive as of this time. They had more injuries afterward. Here's the defense. I'm just going to read the defense injuries. Nick Bosa, Samson Ebukam, Jordan Willis, Javon Kinlaw, Eric Armstead, Maurice Hurst, Aziz El-Shair, Demetrius Flanagan, Fowles, Emmanuel Mosley, Traverius Ward, Jason Brett, Jimmy Ward. That defense, seventh by DVOA. Just those guys. <laughs> you put I, them on crazy. the field. It'd be a top 10 defense. And that's what the Niners are missing right now. So it just, it feels empty. But the weirdest part about the 49ers is they've been like this since they lost the Super Bowl to the to the Chiefs. Like literally Jimmy Grapple is like a yard or two off from hitting, um, you know, Emmanuel Sanders for that game when he touched down. And then the Niners came in and we're like, oh, are they the Super Bowl favorite again in the NFC? And then they went to MetLife in like week two, Jets, Giants, back to back, lost a bunch of players. And that was in like 2020. And I feel like they haven't been healthy each of the last three seasons, I feel like this has been the story for the Niners. It's not just quarterback with Garoppolo and Lance. It's like every position they keep getting hurt. And at what point, yeah. it's kind of unanswerable, but at what point do you like, what's with this team? How are they a top three most injured team every year in a row? No, it it, it is a real thing in, in certain cases, right? Like take Talanoa Hufango. It's been an incredible starting safety for them. He was so good in college. Great film. Should have been an early pick, but he wasn't because he had injury problems. And he plays so physical that that's going to happen. Like he's in the concussion protocol right now. It, it wasn't like his fault. If I'm remembering the hit correctly, it wasn't like he came in screaming with his head, but he's just such a physical player that he invites injury. Why is Jason Brett on the team? Because they had to go cheap at corner the last couple of years. Why is Jason Brett cheap and available? Because Jason Brett's got, got an injury history, right? Emmanuel Mosley, I think this is his second knee injury now, if memory serves. So when and every team is going to have to find like, you know, spots to cut corners, get guys below value at the draft position, get guys on cheaper contracts than their talent indicates. And oftentimes that's getting a guy who has an injury history. And then if you just have a couple of bad flips of the coins, this is what your team can look like. And for the Niners, it just continually sucks. I, I do. I will say this. I think this game has a chance, or the 49ers game plan has a chance to be actionable for other teams that don't have the talent that they normally have. And I, I do Against trust. Against the Chiefs, the- you're saying? Like a blueprint yeah. to beat the Chiefs? 
Yeah, and I do think that D'Amico Ryans, I trust him enough to come up with something good. It might not work. It may not lead to a win, but I think it's something that it's going to produce film where you can go back and watch it and, and other defensive coordinators who aren't hit with all these injuries or have more talent can go back to the film and reference it when they're game planning yeah. going forward. And I think that's the one reason why, even despite all these injuries, like Solak said, the 49ers are basically missing their whole defense, which has carried the team so far. I think that's why this game has some interest to me, but I don't really care about the result because I know <laughs> like, it doesn't tell yeah. us anything about the team, like who wins. It's going to be an interesting Tuesday watch, yes. right? But like on Sunday, I don't think it's going to be close, even though spread-wise, it's a two-and-a-half-point game right now. If the Niners had Mosley and Ward, Charvarius Ward, their cor- the two corners, mm-hmm. I might pick the Niners in this game, even with some of the other injuries, because you can man up the Chiefs. The receivers aren't good enough, right? As long as you have a guy for Kelsey, and I think they do in Fred Warner, you could man up the Chiefs. Uh, they, I don't think they're going to be able to do that. And then I think that that makes things too easy on Mahomes. Okay, so speaking of games that will be a good Sunday watch, the, honestly, one of the few that I actually kind of am interested in, the Lions are playing the Cowboys, and Dak Prescott is coming back for this game. So my headline, I think the Cowboys win by a touchdown. I think the photo is like a nice big Dak smiling, and it's, it's just Dak is back. But it's, or sorry, back in action with no C. So it's B-A-K in action. He couldn't even he couldn't even correctly communicate the headlines. Tough to perform, Hyphens. You see, it's hard. Oh, you're just some sec is back in action. It's pretty good. That's a layup. Yeah, yeah that's some layoffs are worth points. I got news for you. Not everything has to be tweet. <laughs> they are. That's a good point. But I think the Cowboys kind of look like a Super Bowl contender this week. And I know that they have been playing well, but I think this is the week where everyone the Cooper Rush stuff was cute, and like we can officially bury that this week. It was nice, but not only is the, I feel like the Cooper Rush Dak debate, I don't want to call it that, happened in part because Dak just played poorly in week one. Like the Cowboys offense looked terribly. But one, they were playing the Bucs, and the Bucs D is good. And the Lions, now they're playing this week, are literally the worst D maybe in the entire NFL. And then also the Cowboys offense is good, or at least way better than it was in week one. Like Tyler Smith got his first career start left tackle against the Bucs right. D, which is tough. Now he's playing way better. Noah Brown has been like fine for them a receiver. Their backup tight ends are playing Gallup fine. Back. Yeah, Michael Gallup, Gallup is back. It's like this Cowboys offense is just better than the preseason-esque one they had in week one. And then also again, the Lions defense, they've allowed the most points in the league. They were on bye last week mm-hmm. and they still allowed the most points in the NFL. So I feel like the Cowboys are going to look legit. I, I want to see if Kellen Moore is going to not like copy and paste the offense they had for Cooper Rush, but I, I hope that he doesn't go too far away from like the schematic switches he was flipping for him to make things easier. Because that was my one complaint about the offense last year, down the stretch, is they put too much on Dak, too much on his, his ability to process. And that's just tough for any quarterback. And I think making yeah. things easier for him is just going to make him so much better. And I hope that they saw what they did with Rush and how, and how well the offense operated with a lesser quarterback and apply some of those lessons. Talk about layups being worth points. Like layups at two points worth the same thing as like a 12-foot jump shot. When coaches have good quarterbacks, especially coaches named Mike McCarthy, they love to say, all right, well, we're just going to run like the basic stuff and then we have a good quarterback and good receivers, so we're going to execute and then we're going to be better than the other teams. And it's like, yeah, but A, what if you don't? And B... What if executing could be so much easier? What if instead of like having to rely on like, okay, Dak's going to drop back on third and six, he's going to set the protection, and then he's going to adjust Noah Brown's route, and then Brown's going to win one-on-one with. What if you just ran good stuff? What if you just ran modern things that helped your quarterback and didn't admit it as some sort of defeat, 
but used it to to buttress an offense that should already be good. Uh, it's very important that Dak and the Cowboys score a lot of points against the Lions. It's critical because for as much as the rush Dak debate is dumb, it exists. It, it happens, and like as as all of us know, teams got ESPN on in the in the in the room in the building. Players are watching. Players are name searching. Players care. And so if you go and you go four and one with rush and like you know. CD has like a good game. You know, I think it was against the, the Bengals that he played very well. I might be getting that wrong. But again, uh, no, the Rams. Like, okay, he's got a good game. Great and everything. And then he comes back and Dak can't get him the football against the worst defense in the league. It's it it's going to exist. Even if it's a dumb debate, it's going to hang. It's going to loom. It's going to be a thing that gets that's that at least gets run inside the the, the halls of, of Dallas Cowboys facilities. And that's an annoying thing to deal with. The Lions defense is giving up 0.195 EPA per play. And I know that like, when we would use those numbers, they're like abstract numbers. 0.2 EPA per play. So if you run five plays against the Lions, you score a point. Do you have any nuts? Like, just, yeah, just pick up a first down. And at that point, okay, we've run five, five plays. Here's a point. That's what it's like to play the Lions defense. That's how bad it is. Drop back. They're like 0.295 for drop back. It's unbelievable how easy it is to score points against Detroit. So if you don't, it's 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 going to matter. So it's very important Dak comes back and looks good. Yeah, I mean they got shut out by Bailey Zappi's first career start against the Patriots, like twenty three or twenty six to nothing last time. So yeah, I yes. I agree. It'll be they had five turnovers on downs. Some of us bet on the over in that game. <laughs> As they say, it'll be good for content. Okay, Stephen, Seahawks Chargers. This is like your baby. This is the the two players you love the most. It's Justin Herbert and Geno Smith. This is like you waited your whole life for this game. So. What, what? Who wins among your children? And then what is the headline on Monday morning after Seahawks Chargers? I'm picking the better quarterback. I'm, I'm going with the Seattle Seahawks. And, no, I'm picking the Chargers. Justin Herbert's better. Like, I'm, I'm not going to have that debate. But my headline is charged up uh, Chargers bandwagon back on track. Because I feel like for the past He's month. He's really we, trying to steamroll past that headline. He's like, yeah, it's, it's a bad headline. Tra- it's charged he up, did. whatever, whatever, whatever. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, it's a bad headline. It. I'm not denying it. <laughs> I'm not a headline writer. But anyway, uh, I feel like most, most of the discourse around this team for the past month has been negative. And they're four and two. And they're a win away from a Seahawks team that I think is more mediocre than good. Away from being five and two, going into the bye, which gives them another week to get healthy. Joey... Joey Bosa can come back. I think he, he's his, the first week he can come back is week nine. Keenan Allen might play this weekend, but he said he was thinking about just sitting out and like getting that extra week with the bye before he comes back. I if remember they, when Keenan Allen's hamstring injury was like a week to week thing. The first I remember week just it Keenan Allen. Remember him? I remember that. Yeah. Now he just seems Keenan? like a coach. Good times. I also like that Steven's like, I feel like the discourse around this team is negative when the last four episodes of YouTube just like, why are the charges playing like this? Yes, we are the discourse. The discourse. You guys are the discourse. <laughs> no, we keep it to to Joe Lombardi, but Brandon Staley, he's I'm I'm gonna say that he is one of the most underrated coaches in the NFL. Staley? The discourse has gone way in the other direction. I realized that he was getting too much hype and I contributed to that when he was the Rams defensive coordinator, but it's just gone the other way. Like when you watch this defense on film, I know that the front seven is still not great and the run defense is still not great. But like the coverage and the calls they make and the game plans are just good. Like they make sense when you watch them. And the, like what he did to Patrick Mahomes and that Chiefs offense when they played on Thursday night was the best I've seen a team defend the Chiefs this year. And I think we're going to see that within this game. 
And I think we're going to see it against uh, Gino and the Seahawks. I And then on the other side of the ball, I am not, well, I, yeah, I'm not buying like the defensive resurgence for the Seahawks based on last week. I know they only held, I, what did they hold? The Cardinals to nine six points, points or yeah. something? Nine well, points also, everyone offense. holds the Cardinals to that many. The Cardinals are just terrible. Right, the Cardinals but it, had been scoring, yeah, but they just couldn't convert in the second half by accident. Yeah, and <laughs> that's I, very true. There are defenses that just match up with the Cardinals because of how they play, and they are not always good defenses. Like Carolina, for whatever reason, even when they were a bad defense, just shut down everything. Cliff did. I think it was because it was a college coach who was dealing with college a college right, offense. Yeah. <laughs> but against a pro style run game, I do think we're going to see the same problems that Seattle has had in the past few weeks. Yes, And I think Joe Lombardi stuff will actually work against this defense as a result. It's the one defense that I think he could actually run this offense against. I mean, it worked against Cleveland too, but I think their run game is going to work and that's going to open up stuff for Herbert. And like Herbert's going to get the most out of the situation no matter what. Yeah, the Chargers run offense has gotten better, which is very, very good news because like two or three weeks into the season, the Chargers run offense was not just like the worst in the league. It was so incredibly detrimental to the team. Mm-hmm. And it led to like any time they called it, they were getting into a second and negative, a second and bad for the offense, good for the defense. And they were like, yeah, Sonny Michelle, 12 carries. This is what we need. And like, let's get Xander Horvath, the fullback on the field. And it was just like a total mess. It was, it was a continued indictment on Joe Lombardi's ability to understand what he has, what he doesn't have, what he needs to run and yep. not need not need to run. They have cleaned a lot of that up. A big part of the improvement was being like, hey. What if we hand it to Austin Eckler more? It's like, yeah, you paid him money. Like, <laughs> here we go. Uh, and then they're using Joshua Kelly a little bit, who of their uh, alternate backs, I think, is the best runner that they've got. He and then they hurt changed- his knee, so he might be pl- he might not be playing yeah. in this game. But even Sony Michelle is like, getting- but it, I mean- it's right. It's it's the simple improvements that have been better for them. And then they've stopped trying to be a, a wide zone team as much. Yeah, they've been more yeah. willing to pull That's guys. And everything they, they were trying to be like the the you know 2019 Vikings. Like you don't have your line isn't this athletic. You can't do it. Uh, since week three, they've been a top 10 team by rush EPA per play. Uh, it's, it's never going to be the foundation of this offense. It's always going to be Herbert. It's always going to be his ability to like dice it up when you put five out and kind of, you know, West coast, read it all out. But against a team like the Seahawks who are just so susceptible to a traditional, like Stephen said, an NFL pro style power running game. This should be another game in which the, the, the Chargers are able to run the ball effectively, keeps them better down in distances, and they don't have to stretch the field in the passing game, which they're just incapable of doing. And I, I think this game like decides how the rest of their season goes. Oh wow, yeah, flagship it, game it, for the Chargers. Fi- yeah, for the Chargers. If they're five and two going into the bye and they get Keenan Allen back, because I think Keenan Allen is he isn't a solution to the Joe Lombardi problem, but he mitigates the problem. Because you can't run this style of offense, all these quick game concepts, when you don't have receivers who can get open quickly. Mm-hmm. And at least Keenan Allen can do that. He makes the offense the like the approach somewhat viable. Without yeah. him, it's not viable at all. So I That's really think exactly, if, they, yeah. if they're five and two, I think they're going to be a much better team in the second half. And we saw last year, Brandon Staley was like, we're fixing this offense during the bye. I think Solak wrote about it. And they fixed the offense. So That's what I was about to bring up. And the number one thing they changed was how frequently they targeted Keenan Allen on early downs. Right. And on first downs, they were uh, in the first half of the season, they were a heavy Mike Williams team. They became a heavy Keenan Allen team by the second half of the season. And it, and it, just that alone improved their their distribution and improved like we're getting into second and sixes, getting into second fives, we're staying ahead of the sticks. So yeah, I, I like I was not as concerned about Joe Lombardi entering the season because of the Keenan Allen change. And then they lost Keenan. And it's like, all right, do you have anything else in your bag? 
you have another any other club, and he does not. So we've got to get Keenan back in the building. We're gonna be okay. It's yeah. it, like, like the closest comparison is when the Saints lost Michael Thomas, and mm. that just like ruins the whole structure of the offense. Yeah, like Keenan Allen isn't that valuable of a player in the grand scheme of the NFL, but for this offense, and if they insist on running this style of scheme with He's these very receivers valuable. behind him yeah. holy smokes josh palmer man catch a football uh, it's just it's rough <laughs> after mike williams football season is underway so now is the perfect time to download fanduel america's number one sports book because right now new customers get a no sweat first bet up to one thousand dollars that's free bets back if your first bet doesn't win just sign up with the promo code ringer nfl giants are playing the jaguars this week i'm taking the giants i don't even need the points just take the money line is that dumb probably but I don't care because, you know what? The Giants are just going to keep winning forever despite barely leading at any point in the game. That's good coaching. It's losing for most of the game and then winning right at the end. That's like a consistent winning formula you can count on every single week. That's how it works. FanDuel has tons of betting options for each game. You can combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with the same game parlay. With live betting, you'll get updated odds in games that have already started. And with FanDuel's new live same game parlays, you can create one even after kickoff. The app is safe. It's secure and super easy to use. Get paid your winnings fast. So sign up today with the promo code RINGERNFL for your no-sweat first bet. Make every moment more. This season with FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 plus in select states. First online real money wager only. Refund issued as non-withdrawable free bets that expire in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Virginia. 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona. 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut. 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. Visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas. 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY to 467-369 in New York. Tennessee redline is 1-800-889-9789 Tennessee. 1-800-522-4700 Wyoming or visit www.1800gambler.net in West Virginia. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. There's no better feeling than a personal win and the State Farm personal price plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. This episode is brought to you by Modelo. What does a true fan look like? It's cheering the loudest. It's never missing a game, no matter what. And for that, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Because you are a fighter, and Modelo is your reward. Modelo, the mark of a fighter. Shop delivery or pickup options near you at ordermodello.com. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Imports, Chicago, Illinois. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash RingerNFL. Just go to Indeed.com slash RingerNFL right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Uh, Speaking of rough, Solak, it's time. Uh, I want you to explain to me why you thought Broncos Jets was uh, a defensible choice for game of the week 
why I just want to know why just in general for like seven different things about this game. But who do you think wins Broncos Jets? Obviously, Russ is questionable. We're going to see if he plays. But who do you think wins yeah. Broncos Jets? And then what do you think the headline is Monday morning? Obviously, we, we got to see like a version here with and without Russ. Yeah. So that's the thing is like I'm a little bit 50 50 on who wins and who doesn't. But there's the statement. If Russ can't play backup quarterback, Brett Rippon will get the start for the Broncos. Say it. Say it. Rippin, Rippin. <laughs> You're a little devil on the shoulder. This offense will look better with Rippin yes. as the quarterback than it has with Russ because Rippin will take what's in front of him. Rippin will point and shoot. That's what like Rippin is very much in the mold. So Rippin could look dangerous. No, it, like it's, the subway. Let it, it's let it rip. RYP. So it's similar to your DAC one. Let it rip. Or RIP to Russ. RIP. RYP. RYP. His name is RYP. I know RYP. RIP too if he plays well. Yeah, Rippian, but put the parentheses around Rippian to Russell Wilson. So here's the deal. Solak went with the layup when there was a, like a, a deep three available and he didn't realize it. And, and yeah, Danny that's found very it. right. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Right. I know. I, I, took the, I took the little bunny hook. I should have passed it out to the corner. Uh, ben so Simmons, let it rip, if you will. Let it rip slash rip Russ. Uh, Broncos outscore Jets. Broncos defeat Jets. Uh, this offense can work. It absolutely 100% can. We have seen it work in theory. We have all seen the open receivers over the middle of the field, underneath KJ Hamler climbing into the third level that Russ has been unable to take for a myriad of reasons. Just his own psychosis and just kind of the arcs of these games and what he does and doesn't take. And he starts running around and the performative checkdowns, just everything from Russ, especially us on this podcast, is so hackneyed. And it's completely just like, you know, it's, it's memefied, but whatever. Russ has been a mess. There's, there's stuff that is wrong with Hackett. There's game management issues. There's protection problems. There's stuff that exists in the offense that is not Russ's problem. However, the biggest issue with the Broncos offense has been Russ. And I have faith in Brett Rippon, who, unless we forget, when he had a start... Are the first the 20... person that's ever said that? No, 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 no. Brett not accounting his a... family or whatever. But even his family wouldn't yeah. call him by his full name. So, like, maybe you are. Yeah, Brett. Uh... Ribbon had to play during the 2020 season, uh, during the, the COVID years and during the cycles and whatever. And if you remember, he had to play Thursday Night Football against the Jets. They scored 37 points and they won. And it was a total mess of a game, but it was kind of cool. Uh, Rip, Ribbon's correct for this offense. This, this you know, uh, Shane Waldron, Nathaniel Hackett sort of inspired, like, you know, Sean McVay inspired sort of approach. That'll work for him. Uh, and the Broncos auxiliary stuff everything outside of quarterback this defense is nuts this defense has been incredible it's been really 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 good so it's reasonably the broncos are going to look more like the team we expected them to preseason without russ there because he has been in my opinion the biggest issue with the team the reason why the game is interesting is because the jets are kind of good they're the four jets, and the, two the jets are four and two their rush offense through the last three weeks of the season has been number three in epa per play Brees hall looks awesome Brees hall looks like all of that in a bag of chips, man. And then they have a send guy, Michael Carter. They put them both on the field and all the pony personnel, two back sets that we wanted the Packers to be good at, that they're bad at. It's the little, the other LeFleur brother. It's the other guy. The better one. My, 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 Mike. 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 It's Mike. Yeah. It's Mike. <laughs> the, uh, yeah. They, they, they put them in motion. They put them up on the line of scrimmage to get the ball to them underneath. They run these screen games that work very well. They have a lot of talent at receiver and they haven't even been throwing the ball that much to activate this talent. But when they need to, they can press the... Garrett Wilson get open on third down button and he does it for them. And I know Elijah Moore is not happy with his role and they've got to kind of figure that out. Like Corey Davis is their blocker, but it's a, it's a, a wealth of, of talent. It's a, an abundance of weapons. They have the issue of too many mouths to feed, which is a tremendous luxury. This offensive line's playing well, even despite all the injuries they've had at tackle. Dwayne Brown looks good. Like this is, 
they are something on offense. And defensively, this line is exactly what Robert Sala's needed to save his to save his job. The whole point of Sala was like the four man rush in San Francisco was 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 doing all the work for him, and he got to New York. They didn't have the horses, and the whole defense doesn't work when you can't rush with four down. Quinnen, Sheldon Rankins, Carl Lawson, John Franklin Myers, Jermaine Johnson. They got him. They have the horses. They have the depth, and they have the star talent. Quinnen looks great, especially against the Packers, but he's looked great all season. And yet, but Steven, but the but the big question with the Jets whole season, Zach Wilson, Steven, you do your QB rankings every week for the ringer. You have Zach Wilson 28th. He's two spots ahead of Bailey Zappi. So, like, if they're playing the I mean, Broncos. he's functionally Bailey Zappi. I mean, this, is a play, are, this is a playoff team with Bailey Zappi. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe a playoff team with Zach Wilson. So, is Zach, like, has Zach Wilson done anything to show you this season? I mean, I guess not. He's 28th. Like, so, Jets fans are what, hearing this. They're 4-2. They're and two. If right now, I think they're tied for the third best record in the conference. Zach Wilson just still basically you're saying dead on arrival still as a franchise quarterback. I, I mean, any hope around Zach Wilson right now is based on the fact that he was drafted second overall. Like that is legitimately the only thing you can really like hang your hat on. He is not, he's not good outside of the pocket, which is the thing that he was supposed to be good at. He, he hasn't completed <laughs> one pass without play action outside of the pocket. The Jets quarterbacks right now, Flacco and Wilson, are 0 for 20 on passes outside of the pocket, outside of structure. Per oh, Zach you were sure that was literal. No, they yeah, literally haven't completed he a pass out the pocket without play action. If they roll him out, he can complete a pass. But if he leaves the pocket because of pressure, he has not completed a pass. And Joe Flacco had not completed a pass. The Jets have yet to complete a pass outside of pocket in structure through six weeks of the season. It's pretty, that, that's, that is pretty incredible considering that exactly. And it's pretty strength. damning for a quarterback who has done his best work out of structure and still has yet to prove yeah. that he can consistently execute drop back passing concepts from the pocket. Like any hope besides his draft status is based on like two drives against the Steelers where he ripped like two wide open dig routes to Corey Davis. I mean, it's two play like he's he has not proven to be a good quarterback yet. I would argue that outside of that one year at BYU where he, he just had better players around him than everybody he faced and he was older than everyone, he has not looked like a good quarterback ever. Yeah, and he was I mean he was competing for the job that season. Yeah. Jaron Hall, he's still there, he's playing well. Yeah. Um right, but that's well, the thing, is like Jets long term question mark. The quarterback needs to get better. Jets against Brett Rippon this week. You just told us like, Brett Rippon could rip it. He can, and the offense might look better than Russ. But right now, where would you put Brett Rippin on your quarterback rankings? I'm assuming okay. somewhere in the 28th range, yeah. like three, four spots ahead of Russell Wilson. Let's just make one thing clear. I hope you're just saying that he can rip it because of the pun, because that guy yes. cannot rip it. No, his arm strength is very <laughs> oh, okay. bad. But that would be the that would be the headline if they win. It's like rip it, he, rip, let yeah, it rip. All right. All right. While we're here, here's my take on. Let me just get get this please. one joke off about Zach Wilson. Oh. Okay. You know those like videos. Uh, they used to be popular where there's like this guy that like just impersonated NBA play players, how they played. Like it was like NBA yes. player X be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Zach Wilson made one of those videos of Aaron Rodgers or Patrick Mahomes. And that somehow got him drafted second overall. That's what yes. he is. I very much agree with that. Yes. I remember writing that in a scouting report being like, these guys watched a bunch of highlight videos of quarterbacks making out platform throws and was like, let's build the whole ship out of this. It's like, you don't have this man. You don't have this, this talent. You gotta be something else. So I will say that I actually ended up coming up with the headline for the Jets Broncos just because it's a big weekend in New York sports. The Yankees in the ALCS. My my Jets one is I think that it's a picture of half Yankees, Aaron Judge smiling, half Jets, solid looking sad. And the headline is kissing your sister. 
because it's the Yankees tie up the series with the Astros. I also think the Jets just straight up tie the Broncos in this week because the Broncos have come closer to ties back to back weeks without actually tying a team than like any. I can't believe how much wow. per, how much overtime the Broncos have played and how mm-hmm. e- like e- incapable they look of scoring any points after like 40 minutes into the game. So I'm not even kidding. I half wonder if the Jets Broncos just straight up tie. Broncos short week plus overtime is pretty big for this game because this Jets team will tire you out. Okay, so I'm going to go now. Speaking in New York, Giants are playing the Jaguars. Five and one New York football Giants. My my headline, it's, it's Saquon big smiling and the headline's just six and fun. Okay, Boom. I that's find good. that acceptable. Yeah, yeah, that's good. That's good. It's clean. It's neat. It's tight. Steven like doesn't like it, but doesn't. I like it. It's good. Oh, okay. All right, I'm not going to lie. I don't have an excellent argument for, like, why the Giants win this game. Like, you just I, wanted like, the headline? <laughs> yeah, I did. No, but I do think the Giants kind of pull it out. I do think it's close. So I, a lot of people are wondering, just like, Giants are 5-1, and one, Jaguars are 2-4. and four. Why are the Jaguars favored by three? I feel like the shortest answer, actually, Rich Rebar at Sharp, Warren Sharp's site had a great stat, which is actually put it very succinctly. The Giants have spent more time losing than any other team with a winning record. Like, the Giants have only been winning for, like, a quarter, less than a quarter of their plays. The Jaguars have spent more time winning than any other team with a losing record. Like, the Jaguars have been leading for, like, 40% of their plays, which is pretty incredible for a team that's 2-4. and And if you're watching any Giants-Jaguars game, a lot of weird shit's been happening. Jaguars have been blowing stuff. Giants have been pulling out wins in the second half somehow. Like, I think they already have three wins this year by uh, double-digit comebacks. it's, so, like, you wrote a great piece of the Giants this week for the site of just mm-hmm. chaos. It's just weird shit happening every week. I think it's kind of hard. Serve chaos. Be- if you're a bad football team, serve chaos. Time for the wishbone, baby. Let's go full house. Time for Wildcat. <laughs> and now there's three running backs on the field. Whoa. <laughs> just do stuff no one's ready for. And then if you win some coin flips, we win a football game. The concern is, like, the Giants, I mean... They just don't have explosives. I feel like the whole point with the modern NFL, it's like you kind of need a large play, generally speaking, to score on a drive, which is always why we're impressed when there's a 14-play drive that goes 90 yards. The Giants just have the fewest 20-yard plays this year. And honestly, they're the only... I'm pretty sure that they're the only team in the NFL where only one player has multiple plays. Like, it's just Saquon has seven. No one else in the Giants even has multiple plays this year, 20-plus yards. Like, they don't have good athletes on this team it's kind of crazy to say about an NFL team they're not great athletes on the Giants after Saquon on their offense so that's a little concerning but also just I don't know we'll, we'll see if they can run I, I don't know just hoping at this point the concerning thing is like the way that they've set up their offense and the the reason why they're finding some success doesn't lend itself to creating those explosive plays so it's like if you lean into it more you're just making the yeah. problem worse but that's how you have to play yeah, a lot of these weird sets are with the hope to jerry-rig an explosive play. Like the the long catch and run that Barkley had against the Packers to, I think, take the lead. Yeah, it was 20-20, to 20 and they were setting up the game when he touched down. They're in a two-back set, and Barkley's out like in the slot in a stack formation behind a receiver. And like you know, they're just giving a defense a weird look where you're like, hey, even if this were two receivers lined up like this, you'd still have to process this out. Now it's a running back that's out there as well. So you're just you're constantly putting guys in weird spots with the hope that somebody busts, somebody misses a run fit, right? Like you know, we're gonna put you know Barkley and Breda like that that wheel route to Breda uh, against the Ravens, right? They motion. Uh, it, it's what, what's what's it called? When everybody motions at once, I can't remember. But they all motion at the same time. They get into pistol with three backs in the backfield. 
And then Barkley and Breda both run to the flat and Breda wheels out and they hit it 15 yard catch. And it's like, that was so much work for a 15 yard catch, but you need to do it because the alternative is throwing to David Sills 15 yards down the field. And nobody <laughs> feels good about that. Uh, so it's, it's, you know, desperation and, and, and necessity being the mother of invention in that sense. Uh, I think though, that like when you watch the games, the Jaguars lose, it's because they're pretty small up front, pretty penetration oriented up front. And they want to show light boxes, and teams can run on them. Eagles ran on them. Texans Sorry, penetration them. oriented is just like an it, incredible. Well, phrase. it's like you know, you're, you're when you coach your front, you either coach them to attack or you coach them to react, right? And so like the the the, the Jaguars are an attack front. Get into a gap and go. And so you can run on them if you're bigger than them and you get heavy personnel. So what the Eagles did, the Texans did it with some success, and the Giants were suited to do that. So there's a chance the Giants can win it. I just think that the Jaguars are more talented, pretty much across the board. I can't believe I still can't believe they lost to the Colts. Like if you look at the stats, I know it makes the, no sense. They the played Jaguars so had well on two offense. of the most impressive losses this year to Washington in week one and to the Colts in week six in terms of how did you possibly pull this off? And then another one of the most impressive losses is the Ravens to the Giants. The Ravens gained seven yards dude, per play. Dude, the I, Giants gained 3.8 yards per play. Dude, they doubled them up twice as many yards per play. Lost the football game. The that is the reason I actually do think the Giants can beat the Jaguars. It's the most cliche and the most annoying football analysis, but it's true, which is the Giants just didn't make that many mistakes in that game. They don't beat themselves. The Trevor Lawrence, and I like, I think the criticism has been a little ridiculous this year, but he has been making some mistakes. And a good stat that I, I found this week was that Trevor Lawrence is averaging like three and a half yards per throw against blitzes and man coverage. And obviously the Giants are basically doing that half of their snaps. And also the Jaguars just have a rookie center. And I'm just kind of curious. Like, I feel like if the center now, again, maybe Brandon Scherf is more of a vet's helping him. He's a guard, but like kind of like a rookie center and Trevor Lawrence having to figure out all yeah. these like crazy weird blitzes where they're having like four guys just like wandering around, just the four defenders just around the line of scrimmage. You don't know who's coming, but at the same time, the Giants kind of low key can't stop the run despite having a lot of talent up front, which is also weird. So we'll see. I think it's just low scoring game and it's going to be sloppy in the fourth quarter. Yeah, you want another uh, you want another fun giant stat? Please. The player in the league with the second most pressures while aligned at nose tackle is Quinn Williams. No, second most is Quinn Williams. He has five pressures for the line from nose tackle this season. First is Dexter Lawrence. He has fifteen. <laughs> no way. Yeah, that's like now, Aaron Quinn, Donald. Yeah. Now, now Quinnen is very rarely at nose tackle. It's just when he's at nose, they're usually running a game and he's really good and whatever, right? But like Lawrence has like over 150 snaps at like nose, like either zero or a shade, like on a shoulder or head up. And he has 15 pressures. Nobody, no, nobody, nobody, nobody does that. That's not real. Lawrence is one of my favorite players in the league because he's a pa he's a pass rushing nose tackle. Giants fans to ourselves, it's like Aaron Donald's the best defensive tackle, obviously. Dexter Lawrence, is he sec like, is he second, right? Or right now, this season. Oh, in terms of quality of play, he's definitely like top, top four. Yeah, and okay. utility, like being yeah. able to provide that pass rush from yeah. that alignment. I think you could make the argument that he's right up there. Like that's something rare. And then when you add it into a, a Wink Martindale off uh, defense, yeah. yeah, holy shit. Yeah. Like that, like <laughs> Wink is probably just loving life right now. And this doesn't matter, but it's also so fun to watch because nobody yeah, rushes the passer like Lawrence because he's just a little bowling ball and he just gets under a guy and just keeps moving his arms and his legs and just chunks his way up the field. Like so many other interior rushers, 
they're like, well, win quick, get to a shoulder, get into a gap. And Lauren's just like, blah, 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 go through a guy. It's very fun to watch. Looks like those old strongest man competitions where the guy's like pushing a bus. Yeah, exactly. No, no, that's exactly what it is. Like, he just got like an anchor and he's just like, I love him. It's incredible. All right. Thank you for indulging me. Okay, Steven, talk about games where we're like, man, I just, what a weird thing to say. Is the Atlanta Falcons are playing the Cincinnati Bengals? Just weird to think about. I, so many thoughts. Is it? It feels I, like a football so. game. I think it's weird. No? Is it just What's weird about weird. it? I don't know. It's just they're weird teams. I guess Steven, it's like interconference, who, so they don't play all the time, but I like it. Who, I think they're I think it's weird. Steven, who wins Falcons Bengals? What's the headline on Monday morning? The Bengals win. I did not write a headline. I'm doing a meme. <laughs> I'm doing a meme. Oh, that it's like artistic because no one's gonna oh, talk about the outcome nah. of this game. Yeah, yeah I'm doing it's, a it's, I'm predicting it's, it's Sunday's much. memes today. And it doesn't even have to do with the results of the game. It's going to be Zach Taylor. You put his face on the Wolverine, like portrait meme. Like yeah. when he's like looking at the, the picture. Oh, yeah. yeah and yeah. it's going to be uh, Arthur Smith's run game. Because he's doing like all the things that the Bengals wish they could do to like draw teams out of these coverages that are preventing the explosive plays. And like to their credit, the Bengals have found a way, a method to run the ball that works. They have abandoned the under center stuff. They're just running RPOs now, mm-hmm. like completely. The last two weeks, I think they've had like five snaps from under center. And a lot of those have been spikes and kneels. They're just doing the LSU but, stuff, right? Yeah. But the problem is like the RPO stuff has helped the run game. The run, the stats are way better. But those RPOs don't draw the same structures as like a good under center or heavy formation run. So it Critical doesn't note. solve yep. the issue. It makes the run game better, but the passing game, they're still not getting explosive plays down the field. They're still like relying on Jamar chase to break a bunch of tackles to create explosives like they did against the saints. So I think that while the Bengals will win and then we're going to talk, there's going to be hype. And then we're going to talk about how their offense is back and how they figured things out. I do think in this game, we're going to see that this style of run is not really affecting defenses in the way that it has to, to get back to where they were last year. Because like the one thing that's changed from last year is they're not getting explosives on early downs. That's the Mm -hmm. difference. Yeah. When they had that game winning touchdown to Jamar chase, right? Like 60 yard catch and run. They threw like a 10 yard curl and he just took it upfield. You were like, Oh, that's what the Bengals used to look like. I'd forgotten. Because they just used to get that all the time last year. They don't get it anymore this year. So you're basically saying, and this is, I mean, the points to oversimplify it, but it's kind of like the traditional under center run game. You're kind of like rock, paper, scissors. And you're like rock, rock, rock. And it's not necessarily because getting four yards carry is good, but it's eventually they're going to do paper. And then you come back with scissors and you hope for like a long pass game. And you're Mm -hmm. basically saying that like when they're not doing under center running and they're kind of doing the RPO running, you're really not playing rock, paper, scissors, rock. You're just paper, scissors, paper, scissors. And like eventually you can't win that often doing that. Is that kind of what you're saying? Or is that a terrible analogy? Yeah, it's, 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 it's okay. You said but, rock and paper and scissors a lot. So I was yeah, like I got confused there. You lost me after the, the second part of the, the metaphor. Okay. You lost me. But no, the, the reason why I say that is because like teams can defend RPOs out of like quarters and stuff. Like you don't need to load up the box. It's just like what you're doing on the outside more so what you're doing in the box. And I, and you do have to like make adjustments in the box to handle the routes, but I don't think like, you're not going to see a bunch of cover three because you're running RPOs. That's not what you're going to see. And that's what the Bengals need to see to get back to where they were a year ago. I don't know what the metaphor is, but the issue for the Bengals is finding a way to get defenses out of this look out of just cover two. 
And even though they the, said all season, all off season that we're going to see more cover too, we're going to have more. We're going to have yeah. to like think and about like, yeah, more. We're and throw they against it. It's going to be great. And it's like, hey, you know what can't. sucks for all teams for the history of all time is throwing against cover two. Like it's not fun. It sucks. It was easier back in two thousand and four when they were running camp- cover two, and the Tampa two pole runner was Brian Urlacher or like somebody like Brian Urlacher, right? Two hundred sixty pound linebacker. Now it's a safety. It sucks. It's hard. It's not fun. So you have to be able to run them out of it. And like there's it's it, it is an interesting conversation there's analytics debate about this right like there's like there oh there's no evidence that if you run the ball really well teams will play less cover too whatever like i like this is the this is the construct of coaches right like this like the, the, this is this is the the chessboard these are the rules of the pieces that are on the chessboard and there's a chance that we get enough insight into like you know play calling tendencies and the way things are scripted out and whatever to identify and be like oh like if you you know run the ball this well than the average coach gets out of cover two, but we're not there yet right now in terms of like public analytics that I'm aware of. So as, as in terms of the best information that I have to operate off of, you got to be able to run a team out of cover two, both from a, this will help us on offense perspective. And also, well, if we can't run them out of cover two, we can't run them out of anything. We can't run the ball perspective. And so they've solved that second problem. They can run the ball now. It's just, they can't run the ball to get a team out of cover two. So the blanket, the umbrella that's on top of their passing offense that's not going away. So I this kind of leads to a question I wanted to ask you guys for a, like a few weeks now, which is I feel like the Super Bowl contenders are more or less teams that can run, but also but really it's the teams that can block. Yeah. And then the teams that are mostly disapp- the disappointing teams are the ones that can't run because they cannot block. Like the Rams, the Bucks, the Colts for the first five weeks were teams that just more or less fell apart because their blocking was like awful. And then the teams that are either Super Bowl contenders are like the Eagles who have the best line in the NFL or teams that are like maybe not powerhouse running, but can block well like the Bills or teams like the Falcons where they're not great, but they're they were supposed to get like maybe the number one pick and instead they're three and three. And that's Mm because the Falcons are running and blocking well. So is that just like where we are in the NFL? Like it's like if you're not blocking well and you can't run well, you're not a Super Bowl contender? Is that, is that too simple? I, I don't think it is. I think the too simple thing is when we started talking about positional value a couple of years ago, and we were basing all of these takes on the way the league was and not the way the league could evolve. And now we're seeing that. By takes, like, you mean like? Like running backs don't matter. Oh, just pay wide receivers. Uh Interior linemen don't really matter. You, if, as long as you have a quarterback, that's the only thing that matters. Just pay a left tackle, but like nothing else needs that much money. Yeah, and now that we're seeing defenses adjust to like the spread taking over the NFL, which was a long process. It started in 2007, and defenses really didn't find an answer until now or until last year. And I think like the metas are changing, and that's going to change. Like I think that's going to change everything. That's going to change positional value. That's going to change like how we talk about play calling, like what works, what doesn't work, what you should be doing more of. Yeah, I mean, like, it's going to change passing a lot. offenses. If we agreed that the Bills have the best passing offense in the NFL, right? I think we can agree on that, right? Yeah. The Bills yeah. are giving Bills 20 change. snaps a game to their fullback. I thought that was kind of over. We're hearing that from the best passing offense in the league. So it's worth noting, Gilliam probably of those 20 snaps, probably been 16 at tight end. But like, okay. right. Like, yeah, like it, the... The fact that he can get and line up at fullback and it's a legitimate threat absolutely matters, yeah. right? The same way it always has for Kyle Juszczyk in the, the San Francisco 49ers offense, right? Where it's like they can go empty on one play and then on the next play with the same personnel, 
they can go with a tight end attached with a fullback in the backfield under center. And they could run their whole menu. And like that to me is, is when we talk about like personnel and scheme and passing him and, and running game, that's what always matters to me. It's like when you put your 11 dudes in the huddle, what do I know as the coach on the opposing sideline? Yeah. And when you have a guy like a Gilliam or a guy like you check, I don't know anything. You, you've, you've hidden from me what you're going to do. And that's, that makes him a valuable player to the offensive line point. There's two things that stand out to me, which is one, the correct and helpful, if not maybe like a little bit self-evident analytics development of like your offensive line matters more in your running game than your running back does. I think in terms of like how football coaches coach, I think that's always been self-evident. But in terms of like, you know, public discourse, I think that's really valuable. Running game is good if the offensive line's good. If they can block it up and like scheme affects this as well, right? Like the Shanahan guys get away with a little bit of a different offensive line and that's an important part of the scheme. But if the offensive line blocks it well, you can get the backup running back in there and the running game will generally work well because the offensive line's talent is what's predictive of the running game, not necessarily the running back's talent. That's number one and that's valuable. Number two, which I think is a little bit more hazy but important to talk about, is that offensive line talent is not nearly as predictive of quarterback's pressure and sack rate as we thought it would be. And this is where I think there's, there's real gas. Save for the polls, save for the, the true top and bottom, like five percentile, Justin Fields with the Bears over the last two years. The extremes, Carson yes. Wentz. How well a offensive line pass protects is not going to affect the pressure that a quarterback takes as much as how that quarterback plays, period. Play style is play style. If a quarterback wants to hold on to the football for a long time, let routes develop down the field, scramble and create, he's going to do that. Whether the line in front of him is good or bad. If it's good, he's going to get to hold on to it for a little bit longer and he's more likely to make a good play downfield. If it's bad, he doesn't hold on to it for as long and he is less likely to make a big play downfield. But in general, he's going to invite the pressure. And then his athletic ability will dictate whether or not he avoids the pressure or takes a sack. So that connection. Well, so for really example, just to give like an example of that, it's like Tom Brady goes to the Buccaneers and then the Buccaneers have like three pro bowlers on their line in Parkus Brady. He's getting rid of the ball quickly. And then you have Russell Wilson, who basically their mm -hmm. offense looks exactly like it did in Seattle, even though for four or five years we all heard and talked yeah. about how the Seahawks had a battle line when in reality, Russ wasn't getting rid of the ball when he should have. He's holding on to it and made yeah. his offensive lineman and look And what was bad. one of the first things you saw Broncos fans start to tweet out in week three, week four? We need a better offensive line. Yeah. Our offensive line is not as good as we thought. We have offensive line pass protection problems. you got a quarterback play style problem. He's he's deciding that the line looks this bad right by his play style. Because he's just so not getting we, rid of it. I, yeah. think the, I think the Bengals might be the best example of this because their Great offensive line was upgraded one. in the offseason. Joe Burrow's sack rate is exactly the same as it was last year and like the pressure rates have gone down of late but why have they gone down because his a dot is way down from last year his time to throw is way down from last right. year his explosive play rate is way down from last year he's not throwing 20 yard passes that's like the, best rid of the example ball yeah. yeah and and the, the problem for the Bengals is this offense has become it's what it was last year only the explosive plays are gone and they can run the ball better now that's the one trade-off you didn't want to make. Yeah, 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 exactly. You want to do everything to create explosives. But what if they added the linemen, though, why can't the Bengals run? Why are they like at the bottom and yards Zach Taylor rush? is a bad coach, as we've been yes. saying for the past three yeah. years. They, they, He's not right, good. This is, this is right. This is where the poorly coached aspect comes in because they absolutely should be able to. But every time they get under center, they run one of two concepts. And if they try to run anything outside of those two concepts, outside zone and split zone, they're poor, they miss blocks. They miss reads. They're, they're, they're poorly coached. It's guess what? It's happening again. It's except for instead of outside zone, it's RPO glance. 
eventually yeah. defenses are going to catch on and they're going to know you need like a richness of concepts and that's just what they just don't yeah. have it and now you look like they're all 11 and 12 personnel two by two three by one under from the gun that's all they are now that's their whole offense like they're not even doing empty as much as they used to yeah. They're not even like siloed anymore. Now they're just one thing. They're yeah. one silo <laughs> instead one of two silo. separate silos. Yeah. Whereas you look at like the Falcons, they're running 12 personnel from shotgun, three by one, two by one, yeah. two guys in the backfield. And they're doing that with like every personnel grouping and they, they can put gun, any they go in. pistol, they go spread. Yeah. So to bring this back to your offensive line point, Danny, uh, the teams with good offensive lines are the teams that are, that understand what offensive lines do and don't do and are deploying it correctly. Right. So like the Eagles have built their offense around the offensive line. It looks like it's built around Jalen Hurts, but it's not. It's built around the line because they have the ability to spread and then run the football from the gun. Has to do with Hurts legs. Absolutely. But also like they're pulling guards, pulling like you could not do this without the athleticism of Jason Kelsey, Jordan Mailata, Lane Johnson, which is arguably the, the most athletic trio of offensive linemen on any one line. In the Kelsey's league, the right? MVP of that offense, by the way. Yeah, exactly. Kelsey changes the run call at the line of scrimmage. He's coach on the field. Like, so like that, it's not just that they're talented. It's that they understand what part of the game that they're going to affect. And then they work around it. Right. As opposed to like, all right, you know, if you took the Eagles offensive line and gave it to Zach Taylor, Zach Taylor, would be like sick, we can drop back an empty on every single snap <laughs> because we have the greatest offensive line in the league. So we can just pass protect like crazy. It's not that clean. It, it would be great if it works that way. It, and it does on an Island. Like I have a good left tackle. I don't need to help him against an edge. But it doesn't work in the in the gestalt. It doesn't work in the larger image of things. We just have seen that now through data. We've seen that now through play style. It's difficult to argue with. Uh, and so your best offensive lines are certainly talented. But like look across the league. There's so many like X fifth round picks, X UDFAs who are yeah, who are starting the line, right? The Falcons as an, as an example. Why does this work? Because the offensive line has to be viewed in its totality. It has to be viewed as a unit of five, and you have to know what part of the games it impacts and what part of the game it doesn't. Yeah, like the as on paper, the the Bengals offensive line might be more talented than the Falcons. Absolutely, but like when, yes. when you throw in yes. Arthur, yeah, when you throw in Arthur Smith's scheme on top of that, the Falcons are operating as like one of the best offensive lines in the NFL right now. Like they're keeping Marcus Mariota clean. They're providing space in the run game. They look like one of the best lines, but they don't have the talent of Cincinnati, which still looks like a bad offensive line, even though because they work together better. more. It's like football is offensive. It's more like a football thing, like a weakest link, like one bad player or just a bad plan is going to screw you. Whereas we talked to this before, but a defensive line is more like a basketball team. One right. excellent defensive lineman will make sure you're competent and two excellent players like a basketball team. If you have two like elite guys or really, I guess three elite guys, you're or, I don't know. I'm thinking, if I was going to say four elite, elite guys on your defensive line. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. but the point is, right, along the offensive line, what you really want to have is five guys who are at least above average as opposed to having like two stars and three scrubs. So the scrubs are going to get picked on as yes. opposed to a defensive line. If you have two stars and two scrubs, those two stars are going to do a ton of work for you because eventually they're going to get to a one-on-one Vaughn Miller in Buffalo, right? It's just like good guys everywhere and then Vaughn and then they get Vaughn to Vaughn, Vaughn spots and then Vaughn's awesome. So yeah, there's the work together aspect of it. There's also the understanding of what these guys can and can't do. Bengals got Lyle Collins into the building to be right tackle. Lyle was never the best mover, period. Now he's coming off a back injury. Lyle is not moving well right now. What are the Bengals running? Outside zone. <laughs> get on a hoof, Lyle. Here we go. We're moving. And he can't get to the blocks he needs to get to, right? He can't get to the second level with the timing. He'd like, whatever. The Niners with Aaron Banks. I know it's like a total random name, but Aaron Banks was the worst player I watched on week one film. He's our left guard. He just can't get to the second level. He's just he's too big. He's too plenty. Can't do it. Since then, they just don't climb him. 
They just run whatever they can to not get him to the second level. You got to know what your guys can do. The Falcons are really good examples. Their center, Drew Dolman. Every run game, not every run game, just the Titans. But when Arthur Smith was with the Titans, they were a big honking line, baby. They were huge dudes moving off the ball. Nate yeah. Davis, Tyler Luan, they were big fellas. Saffled. Yeah, he gets to he gets to be, uh, to Drew Dolman as a center the, with the Falcons. Drew Dolman might be 290, man. I mean, like he is not a big center. So what do they do? They're constantly pulling him. They're they're folding him back and they're running him and they're going. He's like a weapon for them. They get him out in space. It's like the way the Eagles use Kelsey. So it's working together, but it's also knowing what you got and what you don't got. And how do you how do you design and call and adjust running games based off? Okay, we really like our left guard on a down block. We really like our center on a on a pole. So let's fold this block constantly. Where the center would usually take the the defense tackle, we're gonna make the guard take him, and we're gonna pull the center. Like this works for us. So it's about understanding your guys. That's why that's why I'm willing to say that Arthur Smith is definitely good because good. in Tennessee. It was just duo and like split zone. Like that was yeah. the run game. And now it's like exotic as all hell. Vertical. And now it's all horizontal. He He's knows changed everything. He, he changes stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, sometimes this can sound like an exotic language, but I like that it, at, at the end of the day, all you guys are really saying is like there's knowledge and there's wisdom and wisdom is how do you apply knowledge? And like the wise coaches are the ones just asking people to do things that the coaches know they can do and not asking more of people, which is kind of like critically. I know everything. we've gone too long in this, but also you said at, tell, asking them to do things that the coaches know they can do. The coaches probably also talk to them, engage with them. What's working for you, right? There's there's a there's a two way street there that a lot of times bad coaches, <clears throat> Matt Patricia, I run my stuff. Why are you not running my stuff well? Run my stuff, and there's no interchange, right? And like when when you see guys like Smith change what they do, I I am always inclined to believe that's because they 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 are interacting with their players. What do you like? What do you not like? Is this does this make sense to you? Does this look make sense? Do you understand this read? If not, let's change it. So right, yeah, well, the Bengals win, but the Falcons come away with better vibes. <laughs> I think better the Falcons vibes. might win. We talked all about this running game. DJ Reader nose tackle for the Bengals, not in Logan Wilson middle linebacker for the Bengals. Very unlikely uh, to play. I, if the Falcons win, it'll be this running game that we're hyping up that takes them home. But I do trust Big Lou to come up with something. To at Big least Lou. down. We definitely get different memes because the memes, I, I, they're all about Kyle Pitts. We don't have to go there. It's neither here nor there. <laughs> okay, so to button this all up, we didn't like any of these games. What's actually the game of the week now? Okay, so wait, recap the headlines for me. So I had Chief of Medicine and I had Let It Rip. We don't need to go over my headlines. I'm taking myself out of the running. Yours was what, like charging on and here's a meme. Charged up. Charged up. <laughs> I had back in action. BAK for the Cowboys with Dak returning. And then the Giants won. I just had six and fun. Six and fun wins. Yeah, I like six and fun. Bangs I can see gavel. like the big, I can see like the big New York post or like the huge Saquon celebrating a touchdown and six and fun. Yeah, that, that, that's an actual real headline. <laughs> Wait, does he lose points for not actually thinking that the Giants are gonna, going to win? No, I do. No, I no, do no. think the no, Giants we are going to win. We lie on headlines. I lie on headlines constantly for the sake of getting a decent pun in there. That's I'm true. perfectly fine with that. <laughs> that's true. I like that we just all agreed, so then that actually kind of confirms the Giants. We're jinxing the Giants, and they won't win, but it's fine. It's okay. It's a jinx-proof team. All right. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you, Solak. Thank you, Steven. Thank you, Isaiah, for production help. Thank you to everybody for listening and for that, getting through that long offensive line conversation. We'll see you guys next week. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. 
When I went on my last holiday to Cape Town, it was amazing. My friends were there, the weather was phenomenal, and most importantly, the food was fantastic. But one thing I struggled with was finding the right places to stay. You know, all I want is a great bed, a fantastic shower, and breakfast that doesn't end at 8 a.m. I'm on holiday, I'm still sleeping. I also like Ease, and the Hotels.com app easily helps me to find a perfect hotel for every trip. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly getaway or a relaxing spa weekend, on the Hotels.com app, you can compare up to five hotels side by side. Now, why would you want to do that? So you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings. And best of all, you don't have to switch back and forth between options. See? Ease. So, start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today.